And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Bulldogs win yesterday 24-10 over NC State. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Starwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Charlie Winfield, we got together on Friday. We talked about some of the big matchups and things to look for. And, hey, I'm not going to come in here and spike the football. I'm not going to come in here and say, hey, I told you so. Yeah, but. Man, I love to. I, I love to do that. What did we say on Friday about this team being left-handed, about how last week against South Florida they ran to the left 82% of the time? Hey, I get in here and look at the stats this morning, pro football focus, love to look at all this stuff. What was it? They ran 17 plays yesterday, 17 plays, 15 to the left of center. Yeah, running plays. 15 running plays to the left of center and two to the right. Hey, they are what they are. They're not ashamed of it. They know who they are. Well, that's the thing. It, I expected to be in here saying, well, the reason it was different this week is because they self-scouted. They knew we would know they were doing that. No, <laughs> they they just decided they liked the left side of that offensive line, and that's what they were going to use. You know, that's, that's the thing, Charlie, is we talk about scouts and, you know, we dive into the stats, and you got to know who you are as well. I mean, NC State knows who they are. I thought they went away from who they are for one play in the first quarter, and that was the halfback pass. It was almost like they knew that we were thinking we're going to go back shoulder to a measy on the left side, and we're going to we're we're going to completely throw them off guard and try something different, and it backfired on them. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that play just blows my mind. You completed six of six passing attempts, moving the ball down the field. You get down to the goal line on third and five, and you take it out of your quarterback's hands, and you try to run a gadget play there. It was almost like they knew they were overmatched a little bit yesterday and felt like they had to do something different. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit on the postgame show last night about how I guess when you're getting kind of whipped at the line of scrimmage, you try to do things that are unconventional. Before we kind of jump in here, let's go back to the first play of the game. We get the football to start this thing, and I talked to, said this last night on the postgame show as well. When the ball was in the air and I saw number five getting ready to catch it, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe they kicked it to him. And then he takes off, and Tulu, it's just a different mentality of a kick returner. Because those guys have to go full speed. You can't hesitate as a kick returner. And you have to have vision, and you have to ha have to see things before they happen because of the way the blocks are set up. I thought we blocked it extremely well. But that's three games in a row now with Tulsa, with last week, who you set the tone against La Tech and kind of led that comeback and provided that spark. And then the touchdown yesterday, Tulu Griffin is a special kick returner you've listened to me for years say that if I were a coach I would tell my return man we're going to fair catch take the 25 100 times out of 100 I am implementing an exception here and, and that's for him he is one of very few people in this country in college football capable of changing a game in the kick game because if you think about it, the pro level at the college level we've done everything we can to take kicking and kick returning out of the game you know it's not like the old days where guys had the the square toe, and we're kicking it down to about the five, right? I mean, you get guys who kick not only with distance now, but with hang time. It There aren't that many opportunities, save for guys like him. 
Let me ask this question. When you get into SEC play, and it was kind of interesting last week against Louisiana Tech and then yesterday against NC State, once you get into league play, will that be limited more because in our league, the kickoff guys in our league are so much exponentially better than anybody else? That kind of takes it out of his hand. So, yeah, you say kick it away from him, but once we get into conference play, it's pretty much going to be kicking it over him. Yeah, kick it past him Yeah, every time. You expect it would, but look, we're playing a Power 5 team yesterday. I know. And now and then you're going to miss some. And I think the rule, the thing you got to learn, the lesson is that if you miss it and you don't get all of it and you don't kick it to the back line of the end zone, you're in trouble. Man, I remember talking to some guys about two, three years ago, three years ago, who said from Philadelphia – who said, let me tell you something, we got a kid that's pretty good. we got a kid that's special. And, hey, we get those conversations all the time because there's a lot of people out there, and I don't mean this in a negative way, who say, man, you wouldn't believe this kid. And it's like, eh, you know. But it's like every local golf course thinks they've got a guy who could be on tour if, yes. if only he could take a few extra months in practice. <laughs> yes, exactly. But Tulu, the first time you saw him, you could tell he was different. And, hey, he set the tone yesterday. Like I said, it's three straight games. Three straight games, he has been your spark in the kick return role. And, hey, that was big for us yesterday to just get out, get an early lead. Because offensively, that first quarter was almost like a chess match. Both teams trying to figure each other out. Nobody was sharp at all. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I can't go that far with you. What? Well, a chess match. It wasn't being played at that high of a level. No, I mean, okay. I'm talking chess about – Chess is a, a game that takes a lot of deep thought. I would say it was more like a game of tic-tac-toe. Now, well, it, I was, was going to say – simple, and it always ends in a draw. Yeah, my seven-year-old son against a seven-year-old friend of his yeah. playing tic-tac-toe or chess, and nobody knows what they're doing, and it just kind of all falls apart, and both teams <laughs> look just as bad. Yeah, that wasn't a Kasparov-type performance out there no, yesterday. not at all. But, hey, you go back to the first two times that NC State gets a football, and they're either at midfield or in our territory, and our defense goes out there against the wall the first two times. Really putting bad spots. Really putting bad spots. I thought NC State on that first drive, I was not at Honey. the st- – well, I, I was I was I was not watching on TV. I didn't know if Amizi got that foot in, and they hurried to the line of scrimmage, and then they throw the pick. But you know, setting the tone at the line of scrimmage was such a big factor, and I thought you could tell we were coming out with a lot more fire in yesterday's game than we did against La Tech. It was almost like we are going to challenge our guys all week. And we talked to Jay yesterday in the pregame, and he talked about, hey, we had a really good week of practice, a fiery week of practice. And it was almost like, hey, guys, let me tell you, we kind of let La Tech get away from us because we were somewhat timid. We're going to come out and set the tone. We set the tone emotionally yesterday. Well, the thing that we did beyond that is, you know, go back to talking about how you got in those holes. We had some bad punts. Okay, so not only were you generating three and outs on offense your first two series, your punting was – Well, in Tucker Day, he looked to me like – you talk about that golf analogy. He looked to me like the guy that pulls out that seven iron and just knows he's going to tow it in the water. I mean, you could tell a lot of that is mental because the third punt, after he shanks the first two, the third one, he's, he misses it bad left. I'm I'm going to overcompensate. <laughs> and then the fourth one was, you know, one of those, you know, one of those spirals that goes up and just falls like a dying duck. And you could tell it was just a guy who's kind of 
you know, fighting himself. And you see that a lot of, in a lot of different sports. It's, you know, baseball, guys that are fighting themselves at the plate. You get that as a punter, too. And he was fighting himself. Now, he did respond. He had a really good punt of 56 yards later in the game. But, yeah, you got put behind the eight ball early because of special teams and because your offense could not get anything going at all. It goes back to the original point you made, though, about how important that opening touchdown was. Because when both teams were mired, and what I'll call an offensive slump, when both teams were making mistakes, whether in special teams or decision-making and play calling, what have you, the entire time you were still winning the game. I think the feel is a lot different if you're down 7-3. to three. It's a lot different if you're down 7 to nothing, what have you, 3 to nothing for that matter. The thing that you did is your defense answered when they were challenged. They got put in bad spots. They made plays. And then I thought that set the tone for the rest of the game. I think early success, particularly on defense, especially when you've been hearing all week about how good this offensive line that you're facing is going to be, I thought it was really big to have wins early because you could see the confidence come into our defense and you could see the doubt creep into their offense. And one of the things we talked about on Friday was trying to get to Devin Leary and hit him quickly and get him to get to him early where he starts thinking about it. I thought we got to him a little bit early in that game yesterday, and then he missed some wide-open throws. And it's almost like we go back to that shot blocker mentality of you may block that shot early in the game, and then when the guy goes driving in there in the second half, he's thinking about that first block. Leary was thinking about that pressure all day long, even when he had wide-open opportunities, and he missed some big throws, especially in the second half. Boy, we got a lot to say today, Bart, because you haven't even mentioned the fact that we are in beautiful downtown Startville, that we're in the Farm Bureau studios. We haven't talked about Strange Brew Coffee that we're both drinking right now. I mean, you just came out of the gate today. Yeah, I was ready to roll, man. Yeah. I tell you, it's, nothing beats a win. And I've got – I'm in a text group. i got a bunch of guys. I love them. I love all of them. They're friends, and they will continue to always be friends, Kerry Graber. But let me tell you this. I got some negative friends too. I got some negative friends. And I don't it's not a situation where I don't want to talk you off the ledge. I don't want to point the the finger and say I told you so or hey, we're not as bad. I don't want to come across as being an apologist. We won against NC State, a team that's probably going to be in the top third in the ACC, a Power 5 league, a team that knocked off a team last week 45 to nothing, and evidently South Florida is absolutely embarrassing to their program and to the entire Tampa area. (laughs) But anyway, before we go there, yes, I am drinking Strange Brew Coffee. Yes, I am drinking Blueberry Cobbler. Yes, I did have a blueberry muffin this morning at Strange Brew. You're drinking out of your Strange Brew mug as we speak. Strange Brew Coffee House, it's just a great experience. You go in there, you just feel better. We talked about Wesley Reed on Friday, longtime athletic staffer. You always felt better after talking to Wesley Reed. You always feel better after you walk into Strange Brew Coffee House. Everybody's always nice to you. It's a good cup of coffee in three locations now. This triple the fun. You've got the one here on University, which I always go to. You've got the one on Highway 12, which you always go to. You've got the one in Tupelo that Greg Ellis always goes to. And I have been to. I have too. This Brupolo. It's kind of cool. Brupolo. Got it? Get it? Get it? Brupolo? All right. Yeah. So, okay. You're just having too much fun saying that. Anyway, you were talking about negative friends, Bart. 
do you have any? not going to be negative about your coffee this morning. No, so I'm not going to be good. negative about my coffee. Uh, and we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Real quick, in the Farm Bureau studios, they have agents in every county. Great customer service. Saw Henry Hamill. Always, you always feel better after talking to Henry. So, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. And once again, we are in the spacious and luxurious Farm Bureau studios. Yeah, so, Part, you mentioned negative friends. And I think what I've learned about myself is I'm not positive, I'm not negative, I'm a contrarian. So, if I walk in the room and everybody's happy, it brings out the bad of me. If I walk in the room and everybody's mad, it brings out the good in me. It's just I have a opposite reaction to the crowd that I'm with. You're a psychologist is what you're telling me. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's just this internal need to argue with people. But, you know, there were a couple of things that came up yesterday that I'm, I'm still kind of processing this morning. And so because some of the things I was reading were negative, it's got me kind of being apologist Charlie today. I want to mention a few of these if I can. So the first thing is, and, and I saw this one a couple of times, our offense is boring. Okay. All right. When I'll is play it, along. When has it been dynamic? I'm, I'm going to ask you that question. And, when and Tony the, Shell was quarterback when Rocky was here, well, when no. we were getting beat 42-35 every game? No, in all, in all seriousness, when has it been dynamic? Are you telling me that Dan Mullen's offense was dynamic? Are you, are you telling me a little Joe, bit in 15, wouldn't you say? In 15, yeah, we threw the ball more. But, I mean, we lost five games. We lost. We lost some games we shouldn't have. I guess here's my thing. And that's not my, to take anything away from Dak. Now, here's, here's the point that I want to make. I would run a quarterback sneak 58 times a game if I thought it would win it. I am not yet to the point with this program where I care about style points. I want to win. I want to win. And if it means being ugly, if it, look, go back to the 10-2 and two Jackie Sherrill year. We had the best defense in the country that year. And I argued that if we'd had the second best defense in the country, we'd have been like four and eight. That's how bad our <laughs> offense was, okay? We needed that great defense. Our offense isn't great. Our offense isn't pretty. But you know what? I don't really care right now about the entertainment value as much as I care about winning. I would much rather leave here last night feeling – Eh, our offense isn't great, but we're two and zero. Then to feel like we had some dynamic offense that just got beat by. You bring up a good point, Charlie. You think back to that '99 team. What did that '99 team not do offensively? It didn't beat itself. It allowed the defense to win games. Is what it did. What did we do last week? We almost got ourselves beat because we turned it over four times. What did we not do yesterday? We didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, and if you go back and look, too, a lot of times you can go back at games and say that ball should have been intercepted. Look, Rodgers missed some throws yesterday. I'm not going to argue that point. But he did not have, at least under the pro football focus measurements, he didn't have a single turnover-worthy play. Okay? So when you throw it 50-something times, you drop back 50-something times, and none of those are turnover-worthy plays, you know, it goes back to not beating yourself, and you can play that way a little bit more. You say, well, why do we play that way? Well, you can play that way a little bit more when you've got a, the defense having the performance it was having, right? There's not as much pressure on you to try to make a big play when you don't have to. I thought – exactly. I thought what we said on Friday and kind of going back to some of those numbers, you know, we said that we were going to have to tackle and tackle well. 
if you look at what South Florida did last week against NC State, they missed 25 tackles. And what does Donovan do for NC State? Last year he was top five in the country at breaking tackles. Person broke 13 tackles in week one. How many missed tackles did we have yesterday? What did I say on Friday? I was going to give us. I said we had to have 10 or fewer missed tackles in this game to have success. We had nine missed tackles. And so we had five last week. I was I said, hey, I'll give you a double. If we just hold NC State and not and not, you know, miss tackles. We had only, about two of those were on the first play. Exactly. And and what did we say? The you know, left handed team, they're gonna go right at Tyrus. Stretch play to the left. And they ran right at Tyrus. We he missed the tackle, but he was right there. I think Tyrus, here's the thing, what did he have? Only three tackles in the game yesterday. But what did we also say about that outside linebacker position where teams are trying to stretch and most of their runs, we said fifteen of seventeen went left. And how many, what, 12 of the 15 went outside the end? Is that correct? Yeah. And so how important that linebacker position becomes, it's not about making tackles or making assists. It's about turning everything back in. And we really never let them get outside contained. That's the big key. They never got down the sideline. Well, see, you're getting back to analysis, and I'm still ranting here. I'm still ranting about my text group. Okay. All right, so I want to – I want to be an apologist one more time here. Okay. Maybe even two. And and so that is this. I got a message, you know, at halftime saying we ought to be up 24 to 3. Or we ought to be up 21 to 3. Keep in mind, we were up. I said this, and I had some people look a little bit askance at me. But I said when we were up 14 to 3, we got the ball back. I said be careful right here because 14 to 10 is just as likely as 21 to 3. Don't get out of don't start getting ahead of yourselves. And I thought Rodgers made a good decision, by the way, because we were going to throw the ball out in the flats to the right, to the right end, and their defenders were right there. He throws it in the bleachers. Thankfully. You talk about wanting to push it, man. I'd say this. At that point in the ball game, if you're going to throw it, throw it down the field, not sideways. Exactly. And, and so Again, you say could have been up. You know, it goes back to well, if you're going to evaluate the couldas, you got to evaluate it from the NC State side as well. How mad are you as an NC State fan if you got the ball at the five yard line and you've got your running back throwing jump passes? Yeah, that's that's bad. That floated. I mean, <laughs> just you missed a field goal. <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of things go wrong on their side. So if you're going to say the coulda shouldas, you you got to count theirs too. Well, we have a tough time doing that because we only see uh, only see us, and they the, should have had thirteen points. If I'm an NC State fan, I should have had a touchdown there. I should have made the field goal. I think the second offensive possession, after the second offensive possession, we could all tell that you know we were really struggling offensively. And I th- think I sent a tweet out, sent a tweet out that said something to the effect of, "Hey, we got to get it going right now because just it just felt like we better press the button because NC State we're playing with fire." And then on that possession, we get the left side of the offensive line gets beat, and they make a tackle one yard deep in the backfield. The second play, Will throws behind a crossing route, throws behind the receiver. And then the third play, the end on the NC State left side, gets around our right tackle and hits the ball as he's throwing it. And that was really right there at the end of the first quarter. And so the start of the second quarter, I went back and worked at the concession stand. And I thought it was the best thing that could ever happen to me because <laughs> I was about to start tweeting some stuff. I, I had gotten, fr- I mean, I had gotten frustrated. I was in that in that frame of mind, 
And as I'm working in the concession stand with Rob Jenkins and Mike Ritchie, and we are without doubt uh, three of the, the hardest working, best customer service guys you can ever imagine, but we're watching on the TV, and we got better. We got a lot better as I was casually watching on the TV than when I was diving into the offense in the first quarter. Well, what I'd say, there's two things. One, we probably did get a little bit better. But number two, I think our generation has turned in, as much as we complain about it on Sundays, we've all become Troy Aikman reviewing Dak Prescott. Everything we do, look in the course of a ball game, if you run 65, 70 offensive plays, some of them aren't going well. But we, we've gotten into this thing of, well, that's a terrible throw, or boy, he just whiffed on that block. It's interesting, isn't it, how many times people will come out and say, boy, Charles Cross was terrible today. He didn't block anybody. And then what you figure out when you go back and you look at the game and you look at the grades, he did whiff on two blocks. But the rest of them he made big. But it's those two that kind of dwell in our memory. And I kind of go back to the thought process, too, when you start evaluating quarterbacks. And I'm not going to be the apologist for, for Will at all. Yeah, he missed, missed some throws yesterday. You start looking at his grade overall for the game, the grade, the passing grade is really, really good. All right, so I want to ask you this, because some of my friends will say any quarterback in a Mike Leach offense is going to have a good passing grade. But I tell you, who, who do you want to trade? Would you rather have Florida State's quarterback situation? Would you rather have Ohio State's quarterback situation? Ohio State's quarterback yesterday was terrible. So was Texas. So was Texas A&M. McKenzie Milton, everybody talked about. And he's a feel-good story. And this is not a knock at McKenzie Milton whatsoever. But he can't move for obvious reasons. And he has zero arm strength. And yesterday, Jacksonville State went to Tallahassee and beat Florida State. And so, you ask yourself the question. You go back to the, to the NFL about Troy Aikman, about Dak. We're used to watching the NFL now where the throws are made every single time. But in college football, the down the field, the 15-yard out route, I mean, if you've got a guy that can make that play, you're the top five in the country. Yeah, it, it becomes back to are you comparing as against other quarterbacks that are currently on your roster, or are you comparing against other quarterbacks in college football, or are you grading against perfection? Because if you're grading against perfection, it's going to look really bad. And I'm not being complacent, Bart. I, mean, I, I know a couple of those guys right now are going to listen to this show today, and they're going to say, well, you're just – man, you're, you're, you're proud to be an 8-4 and four program. You're just proud to be 7-5. and five. I mean, you don't want Mississippi State to be great. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. I mean, I think this is a team that is poised to get better. I don't think we are what we are right now at all. I think we got better as the year went on last year. I think this team and offensively is going to get better. I have never seen a cast of wide receivers on Scott Field wearing maroon at one time for one team. I have never in my life ever seen it. I don't know if I – yeah, hopefully I'll see it again. But I have never seen a collection of pass catchers that we have on our team right now ever and so we are going to get better. Well, we are. And at the same time, let me be the contrarian. We're not going to win the SEC. We're not going to compete for the SEC. Okay, It's just not going to happen. Don't, now, don't tell me that. What you'd like to do, in my mind. Negative Charlie. Yeah, no, I'm just, look, I can, <laughs> I'm an apologist, but I'm not a completely <laughs> blind one, right? Look, we're not, we're not going to compete with an Alabama unless something really crazy happens, and that could. 
But I think what you've got to do is I think you've got to take a step back and you've got to say, where are we in the progression? Where are we in the development? Realistically, right now, we're playing with a quarterback who shouldn't be playing. Okay. And what I mean by that is if Mike Leach had been here for a number of years and you have your system going, ideally you're not playing a guy as a freshman. You're playing guys as redshirt sophomores. You're playing them as juniors. You've got a little bit of a development and a rotation going. Well, we, we don't have that luxury. So then you sit back and you say, I did get this one, by the way. Uh, well, we should have kept Moorhead, you know, because Moorhead beat Ohio State yesterday. And I like Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead's a good guy. And I'm not going to debate the merits of Joe Moorhead except to say this. Go back and read the message boards. Go back and read the post at the time. Find the few holdouts, because <laughs> there weren't many, saying we have to keep Joe Moorhead. And the point of it being is we made a change, and we didn't just make a coaching change. We made a culture change. We made a philosophy change, and there are growing pains with it. But we, we've gotten to where, like, I was reading uh, yesterday one of the Texas message boards only because I enjoy relishing in Texas losing. But, you know, Sark was the wrong hire. They're back. You know, that, that was the thing, though. They've already decided that the coach that they just got wasn't the right. It, it takes time. It does. And here's when you look around the league and you look around the country, you look at Texas A&M did not look good yesterday. Oh, they did not. We play them in College Station. And do you think Colorado is actually that good? No, I don't think they're elite. I don't think they're elite. I don't think Texas A&M's number five, six team in the country right now. And, you know, they did not look good yesterday. We all know about LSU and how they looked the first week. You know, Alabama has looked apart. But even though, I mean, they were blowing out Mercer yesterday. You know, I had some folks talking about, you know, that, that went to that game were talking about how, you know, the offense didn't look great yesterday. Okay, whatever. And Saban's like throwing things yeah. at his defense when they're up 40 to nothing. We got Vanderbilt. How bad has Colorado State got to be? Oh, my gosh. So, you know, yeah. It's Van- a tough day to be around. You know, Kentucky won yesterday, did not look good at all. You know, Arkansas looked good yesterday playing at home, but that was that was the game of the century in Fayetteville, getting Texas in there. Well, they had a weak opponent. And <laughs> Yeah, you know, Auburn, Tennessee. I mean, we got to ch- – I mean, Charlie, I look through here, man. I'm not saying we're going to win the SEC, but, I mean, you start looking. We have some winnable games. We have some losable games. We got a lot of – we have – tell you what we have on our schedule. We got some games that are kind of like I felt yesterday. It was I a swing game yesterday. I felt like going in, I didn't know what to think. I thought we could either lose by 21 or we could win by 21. And barring that you know, garbage touchdown in the fourth quarter, we were ahead by 21. I say all that to say this, man. I don't think we're that bad. I think I, we're two and zero, oh, and I go back to the text group guys, and I love them. But we're not bad, and we're not great. No, I mean that, and that's the thing. So the apologist side of me says, "Hey guys, it's not that bad. Everybody lighten up." But then the other side of me says, "But let's not get carried away either." Again, I think we go on the road next week. We'll see what happens. And so, hey, just looking real quick at our numbers from our deep dig on Friday. Deep dig brought to you by Trax Plus. Trax Plus, four locations. The main one in Hickory on Interstate 20. You've got Columbus on Highway 82. They're also in Summit, Mississippi, and Alexandria, Louisiana. They've got the Barco Forestry Equipment. They have the Sandy Construction Equipment. We're going to get you on an excavator this week. This week, I think, right? Got a text message from Chris Weems and says, hey, this is going to happen this week. And so Tracks Plus, we had our deep dig on Friday, brought to you by Tracks Plus. So looking back at those numbers, you said we had to score 35 to win. 
and we didn't get the 35. But I tell you, Charlie, we didn't need it. I was did I not need that it. Bad. I was, and I can't decide as I sit here this morning. Did I overrate NC State, or is our defense that much better than I thought they were? And the answer could be yes. I mean, it, it could be both. I thought our defense played exceptionally well yesterday. I didn't think NC State was great. I didn't think their quarterback play was that great. I didn't either. Hey, the guy you talked about, Amizi on the outside. Now he's the real deal. He's a real deal. He was targeted eight times. He caught six balls. We said one of the matchups of the game was going to be Emmanuel Forbes versus Amizi. And I think Forbes did pretty good. Listen to this, okay? He was targeted six times against Emmanuel Forbes. He caught four of the six. So, yeah, you say, well, okay, he had a good day against Emmanuel Forbes. The longest pass play that Amizi caught against Emmanuel Forbes, eight yards. Wow. Eight yards. He had he had four receptions for 30 yards. The longest was eight, two drops. And so let me tell you, I give the win to Forbes all day long in that matchup. Now he had almost 100 yards receiving total, didn't he? Went he, over 90, I think. He did. He, he was one for one against Martin Emerson, caught a 24-yard pass play, and then he was one for one technically against Colin Duggan. All right, so let's go back to I forgot one now that you talk about him as he. Here's, you, we talk about the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. They left some big plays on the field, too. They had him open deep down the right side. If you're on the visitor side, okay? Yep. So, on the home side, is they're going right to left. They had him behind everybody, and there was a touchdown just waiting to be had. And there was another dude wide open that it was undershot. And I go back to the point of getting pressure on Leary early on. Maybe he thinks there's more pressure there than is actually there because he had time to throw the ball on a couple of those and just completely missed. The The other thing I said was last week we had 5.9 yards after the catch and that we we're going to have to be better this week. Yeah, this one's not going to grade out well for us. Well, and the reason I said that was because we, you know, we had talked about all the missed tackles in the past few years for NC State the last two years especially with their secondary. I thought NC – we talked about us tackling well yesterday. I thought NC State's secondary tackled extremely well. We actually took a step back yesterday, went under five yards in yards after catch with our wide receivers. So – and i tell you what's crazy too, Charlie, is when you start looking at average, uh, average depth of target, Austin Williams had a, long, had a deeper average depth of target yesterday than Jaden Wally. Don't know that I would have expected that. I know. But so the, the other number we looked at, and you actually mentioned this earlier, Bart, on missed tackles. You were giving us, allotting us 10 that we could use during the game, and I thought we were using most of them right at the beginning. I thought our cornerbacks tackled really well. And I think that plays back into what you were saying a minute ago. It was almost like the focus this week was when they catch it, no more. You know, You've got to tackle out on the corners. I thought we did really good with that. Yeah, and Emerson's a guy that's not going to miss a whole lot of tackles as it is. And I thought Forbes yesterday, Forbes coming up to help out with a run. What did we say also? That with good running backs that you had to work, you know, worry about play action. And how much was Forbes and Emerson going to have to come up and help with run support? I thought that's where – our front line and our linebackers did such a good job. It was almost like those guys didn't feel like they had to jump and bite on play action because they knew that the outside linebackers and the safeties and the defensive tackles were there. They didn't feel like they had to be overly aggressive in the secondary to come up and make tackles at the line of scrimmage because 
They, oh, guy, that goes back to their the guys interception. Had to take, yeah, exactly. And the interception in the end zone, right? Because a lot of times you see that ball going on a direct snap. You're thinking, here's a run. Man, we got to get up here. And if for whatever reason, our backs yesterday, I think, it's because they saw what we were doing in the line of scrimmage, didn't feel like they had to do that. Yeah, Jalen Green, he was able to peel off. I mean, he saw it immediately, stayed with the, you know, with the receiver and stays in the end zone. So, yeah, that's uh, – I, I was very proud. It was all, like you said, Charlie. It was almost like there was extra effort and onus put on. We have to make tackles this week, and we have to be aggressive. We have to be physical, and we were that. And so now, hey, going forward, now you play Memphis, and what do we say about having good records and doing well in college football? It's about winning your non-conference games, and this on paper is the hardest non-conference game with NC State. Now you go to Memphis, you, you try to guard against the letdown. You know, Memphis is a team that can score a lot of points. They won 55-50 to 50 last, uh, yesterday against Arkansas State. And so you hopefully you're emotionally as emotionally invested in this game as you were in yesterday's game. But at the end of the day, you've won two of your non-conference games. You've got another non-conference coming up before you jump into league play. I like where we are after two games. All right, well, hold on. Are you a believer in RPI, in college football, like the real-time RPI? We talk about that a lot in basketball. I know it's early in the season, but are you a believer in in RPI early in the season? I have never been a believer in football. Okay. Play along anyway. Okay, I will. Here's what you should know. Memphis has an RPI this morning of 49. Mississippi State has an RPI this morning of 56. So... You can't tell me that Memphis is better by seven. You can't tell me that. Well, all I'm saying is, no, I don't think they are. But as good as I feel about that win yesterday, I don't think all of a sudden you can have this mindset of we got past the big one and we're going to go up to Memphis and take care of things. That's No. It's an offense that can score. And I go back to something that I thought NC State missed opportunities on yesterday. What has been the issue for our defense? If you look game one, we gave up big plays. If you look yesterday, we didn't give up big plays, but if we're going to play the coulda, shoulda game. They could have had big plays. Coulda, shoulda had some big plays. Memphis is an offense that can make big plays. I don't, I'm not terribly worried about Memphis coming out and just grinding it out and beating us up, but it's real easy to give up some big plays. And it, I think sometimes with a team like Memphis, it gives you a puncher's chance. And you look yesterday at teams like Toledo. You look at uh, who was it? That Jacksonville State. State. Jacksonville State. Yep. I mean, you go through these games. It, some of these games have been a lot closer than I expected. No, no doubt. Hey, and how did, did you see how it, how it happened? Yeah. Last play of the game, six seconds to go, fifty-nine <laughs> yards, missed tackles, got behind coverage, indifference. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just guys that didn't make plays. You know who guys? You know what guys that make plays? Big players make big plays in big games. Who said that? Santana Moss. Bank first. They always making plays. I mean, if you look around anywhere in Mississippi and in West Alabama, they've got bank first signs in front of a lot of construction jobs. These guys are killing it right now in the construction world and the commercial lending world. Of course, in the mortgage business as well. I mean, if you're refinancing a loan. Bank first. That's where I bank. Great customer service. They got great people. People that will answer questions for you. I talked to John Shapley yesterday. 
standing outside the west side of the stadium. He was getting ready to walk in, and we talked business. We talked business. John's a friend, and let me tell you this, he's fantastic. Just like all those guys are with Bank First, they'll get the job done for you at Bank First. Hey, Charlie, I enjoyed it, man. This is fun. Always great to get together. Sunday coffee. All right, I got to give you just a couple of more. I was looking around the league and saying, even if you don't like where we are, even if you feel like this isn't going to work against SEC teams, even if you just woke up and you're a little tired and your coffee doesn't taste that great because you made your own and didn't go to Strange Brew, how this morning would you feel about the future of your football team if you're Iowa State? And why do I say that? You lost to a top-10 team. But Iowa State was burdened with expectation. I've been hearing about how these guys are – they're going to be in the playoff. They're going to be in the playoff. And not only do they lose, they lose to the team within their state. They lose to Iowa 27-17. to And so all the hype about Iowa State, you're waking up this morning just unhappy if you're living there. How are you feeling this morning if you were Miami? Miami goes to one and one on the year after just having taken it from Alabama. They beat Appalachian State 25-23. So you have to have. And they were down in the fourth quarter in that game. Yeah, you have to have points at the end of the game to come back and win that one. So you can sit around. How are you feeling if you're Utah, who was 21st ranked and gets beat by BYU, and they're 30-year-olds? So, and I still got to go back to the one you mentioned earlier. If you're Colorado State, you're just wanting to give up football and focus on, like, hockey maybe. I don't know what they Yeah, you let there. Vanderbilt beat you like that? Yeah, now shut we, down the program. We still got to play Vanderbilt a couple weeks. Y- you and, know. And let me tell you this. I, I, ran, I ran my mouth about Tennessee a few years ago, and then we got a Knoxville, and then we, you know, throw that dagger. Yeah, and then you called Ole Miss little brother early last year. Did I? Yeah, you did that. Yeah, but if we were I'm full compliment, I encourage you from here on to speak very highly of Vanderbilt, if you want, because you guys are the best dancers I've ever seen <laughs> on the dugout. <laughs> if karma's hunting me, it's in Nashville. I can promise you, no doubt. Hey, Charlie, I enjoyed it as always, man. We we keep on. Yesterday, as I was working the concession stand, I had so many people come walking up and say, "Man, I love the podcast. I love the shows." And it's almost like we kind of hit a rhythm right now with our midweek show when we do our interviews and such. This past week we had a couple of football coaches. This week we're probably going to venture back out and start getting some some guests outside the program. And then that Friday deep dig and now Sunday coffee coming back and kind of rehashing everything. I'm kind of in football mode and in a routine right now. Oh, hang on. Before you you wrap it, though, we talk about the the all-time, my favorite memory of, like, talking something into existence, you know, the, of the karma just coming back and biting you. You know, you talked about you making the comment about Tennessee. So back before I joined you on the pregame and postgame shows, I used to help Jason Crowder down at WFCA, who they've been great to us. They let us play. Uh, they carry our show, what, on Wednesdays? Yes. Uh, and then Thursdays during baseball season. But before the game, Jason decides that we're going to interview the radio play-by-play guy for the opposing team. Jason Crowder. South Alabama. Mm, J.D. And so Jason says, you know, you come into this ball game, realistically, you know you don't have a chance to win, but what do you say to your team in a game you know you're not going to win about how they still need to play well? And all I could think about was, and he denies it to this day, but if there was archive tape, he basically said, 
how do you get your team ready to play a game they can't win? <laughs> <laughs> that was South Alabama. That was the shorts game. Yeah, it was the shorts game. That, that was the thing. He just didn't know we were wearing shorts. That's right. Exactly. Well, hey, should Leach wear shorts at, at Memphis on Saturday if it's if it's hot? What time is the kickoff? 3 o'clock. It's going to be hot. Three. Well, I mean, you say this. I mean, it's 3 o'clock. Yeah, it's going to be hot. I'm, I've always been the hottest of a football game I've ever been in my life was at Memphis, the coldest I've ever been in my life was at Memphis. So a 3 o'clock kick on Saturday from the little sombrero, the small sombrero. Did you ever go to a Memphis Showboats game? I did not. You probably weren't a USFL guy, were you? I, 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 was, I was not. I like, so they I like Doug Flutie in the New Jersey. Generals. Generals, yes. Yeah. So you had, for the Showboats, you had Reggie White. You know, that That's was right. the big guy. I used to have a life-size poster of Reggie White. From his Memphis Showboats days, you had what was the quarterback at Alabama? Walter Lewis was that it? Played uh, there. That escapes me. That was back. That was that was football. I wanted to forget. Oh, I love some USFL back in the day. I was a big spring football guy, Bart. Oh yeah. Well, we play Memphis on Saturday, three o'clock. We'll be back on Wednesday night. WFCA will carry it at six o'clock on Wednesday night, and then we'll have our eighty-nine tracks plus deep dig on Friday. Charlie enjoyed it. Bulldogs win it yesterday 24-10, and you've been listening to Sunday Coffee.